Hello, and welcome to the Sapona Road Church Podcast. Today is a great day. It's the day that the Lord has made, and we are excited that you've taken time to join with us as we hear from God's Word. We exist as a church to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We hope that today's message encourages and blesses you and helps you to grow and mature in your walk and relationship with Him. The Word of the Lord is powerful and life-changing, so let's see our lives transformed as we listen to today's message. So Heather and I want to talk to you today on the the thought of uh, why worship. And so our scripture is John 4, verse 23. It says, But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. So Father, we just thank You for Your Word. We thank You for Your presence in this place, Lord. We, We thank You for how amazing You are. We just ask your blessing upon this message in Jesus' name. Amen. So when it comes to worship, um, maybe you've been lost in the presence of God and didn't even realize how much time was going by. And uh, I remember one time um, that happened to me, and uh, the next day I had forgotten about it, and the next day my arms were killing me. And I could not figure out what was going on with my arms. I thought I was going to have to get a, uh, you know, make a doctor's appointment or something for several hours. And then I remembered that I had uh, had we'd had an amazing service uh, at church, and I had got lost in the presence of the Lord. And when I calculated, I had had my arms raised for about two two and a half hours, and uh, I paid the price for it the next day. So, uh, but but I'm not necessarily we're not necessarily talking about that. We're talking more of when it's a sacrifice to worship. And um, a few weeks, maybe a couple months ago, I was talking about uh, how sometimes we forget how amazing God is and how big and how powerful He is and what's, go- what's taking place in heaven right now uh, at the throne. And, and, uh, and it's good to know that God loves us and that we're His children and all those, those great things, but it also is good for us to remember who the God is that we serve, what He's really about, what He's really like. And I was reading a book one time, and it was talking about uh, this, this very topic about how, how amazing and how, how huge God is. And we, we oftentimes want to put Him in a box all the time. But it was saying that uh, when it came to creation, that in our galaxy, that if you were to take every star just from our galaxy alone, and those stars, you were to, you were to make them the size of a grain of sand, it would be a dump truck load of sand. That's how many stars are just in our galaxy. And it said that if you took it for the entire universe, every star that's out there, not just in our galaxy, and every star was the size of a grain of sand, and you filled up train cars with that sand, and that if a train car went by you one every second, it would take three years for all the stars that that they know about or they have an idea about, I guess we should say. Three years. And yet we are called his masterpiece. All that he's created, all the unbelievable things that you've ever seen, and we're his most prized possession. So there's two sides to that. We need to realize our value in Christ and how important it is, not just how important we are to God, but how important our worship is 
to the one that calls us his masterpiece, that created all these other things that we can't even fathom when you try to even imagine that. Imagine the, the, the universe with that many stars. I can't do it. Maybe you can, but I can't, I can't even fathom it in my mind. And that's one of the things that we're talking about is if we really think about the Lord and his goodness and his greatness, we can't help but worship him. It's just going to be just reflex. And um, a praise and worship leader that we listen to some of his music, Rick Pina, he tells of an experience that he had, and it, it kind of just it, it impacted us when we heard the story. And he said that he was on an airplane in first class, and he had started having this experience with the Lord where he was thinking about the love of God and his goodness, and it just overwhelmed him to the point where he said that he was ugly crying, like, snot dripping down his face, the attendant was coming to check on him, and he just was like, you know, because he couldn't even say anything other than, Jesus, your love is amazing. He said that he just kept saying that over and over because he was so overwhelmed with the love of Jesus, so he said that a, a couple times, and then he began to have a vision, and in the vision, he's in heaven, and when he's in heaven, he encounters Jesus, and Jesus is on his knees, and he's crying. He's ugly crying in this vision. And he's like, Jesus, what's wrong? You know, how can I help you? What's going on? And he said, Jesus looked up at him, and he just said, Rick, your love is so amazing. Rick, your love is so amazing. And it's just that, that just really kind of encapsulates how worship is. It's love responding to love. And if we really realize the goodness and greatness of God and are overwhelmed with the love of Jesus, we will worship. But the glorious times are not just when we feel good in his presence, even though those are amazing. I mean, you can obviously tell one of our favorite things is to worship up here probably, almost like, come on. But worship is just about loving on Jesus. And when is the last time, honestly, that we can say that Jesus found our love amazing? If we were to see Jesus in heaven right now, would he look at us and say, Heather, your love is so amazing because I've just lavished that on him in such an amazing way. And that's just something for us to think about. Yeah, we so many times we take worship for granted and uh, probably most of us wouldn't want to answer that question that she just asked. Because when have we gone above and beyond the norm or what's expected or what makes us uncomfortable? to just pour love out upon uh, Jesus and to just to tell him how amazing he is to the point that it touches his heart, that he would say that about us. A little over 20, 25 years ago, Kim Clement was on TVN, and uh, he quoted from Psalms 22, verse 3. It says, Yet thou art holy, O thou who art enthroned upon the praises of Israel. And then he said that in the Japanese translation, they take this same verse and they say it this way. When we praise God, we build a big chair for God to come and sit in. Kind of makes it make a little more sense to you when you think of it that way. And say so we talk about wanting God to be in our lives and to be a part of our everyday life. And the fact is this, the more you want God in your circumstances, then the bigger you need to make that chair. Yeah. The more comfortable you need to make that chair, I guess you could say. What have we been doing with our praise and with our worship? What have we made for him to dwell in? Have we, have we made a small little stool that nobody can sit on for more than about five minutes? Or have we made him a king's throne like he actually deserves? And we always want to think about our prayers and bringing them to God and about them being answered and fulfilled. But what about the prayer that Jesus prayed? 
He said, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we know in heaven, God is enthroned in praise constantly. The angels worshiping around the throne, the elders laying their crowns at his feet, just hearing holy, holy, holy is the Lord, that he's worthy to receive all the glory. We know that that's happening. We know that thousands, millions are worshiping him in heaven every moment. And in heaven, we also know there is no sickness, there is no pain, there is no suffering. Could it be that if we were to worship the Father as constantly as he hears in heaven, that's when we will encounter less sickness, less pain, less suffering? Because that's what it means to say on earth as it is in heaven. Because I wouldn't want heaven without the Father and without the worship. And that's when we're talking about bringing heaven to earth. Because why would Jesus pray that prayer if it weren't possible? He never tells us to do anything that isn't. So oftentimes, we instead of praying the same prayer of Jesus, it's almost like we're praying, Father, your will is going to have to wait until we get to heaven. And that's not the way that Jesus intended for us to live because he came to unite heaven and earth. He came to breach the gap. So it starts with putting God where he belongs, on that really big comfy chair, <laughs> enthroned in our praise constantly and without ceasing until everything around us looks like heaven. There are a lot of people, well, too many people that are planning on waiting until they get to heaven to start worshiping. Um, I used to be one of those people, so I'm not, and I wasn't a bad person. It was just, you know, I was shy. I didn't like doing stuff, uh, expressing things around people. But uh, at the same time, that we need to be worshiping right now, whether you're shy or not, whether you're comfortable or not. See, King David had this figured out, and it's, it's almost impossible to talk about worship without talking about David. But David was the greatest worshiper, and that is what made him the greatest king and the greatest warrior. Being the greatest king and warrior didn't make him the greatest worshiper, but being the greatest worshiper did make him the greatest king and warrior, even though he definitely was not perfect. So David knew how important worship was uh, when it came to everything in life. Even before he was king, he was a worshiper. That wasn't something he developed later. It had been there. See, the Bible tells us that when King Saul, uh, when Saul was king, that a spirit tormented him and troubled him, and that David would go to him and ease the torment uh, of the spirit, uh, playing his harp, and the spirit would leave. So how did David do this? How did he have this power over this spirit that was tormenting Saul so much? He didn't yell at it. I don't ever remember reading that in there. He didn't take authority over it, which is not a bad thing. We, sh we can do that. We can take authority over things. But all he did was worship. He just played his harp and he worshiped and it would go away. You see, there are a lot of good Christians out there and they've been battling all kinds of issues for a long time. They've tried and tried. They've, they've worked hard at it. They've done everything they can do. They've tried everything from prayer to pills and nothing's worked. And there's nothing wrong with either one of those. We need to pray about all things. And, and sometimes you need medication. I'm on medication. I'm not going to tell you what kind. No, I'm just kidding. I'm on cholesterol medication. But, but uh, when was the last time that when you're dealing with something, they just decide to worship? Trying all this other stuff, staying up all night. And there's nothing wrong with staying up all night praying. There's nothing wrong with going on a long fast or a short fast. Any of those things that the Spirit leads you to do, there's nothing wrong with that. There's power in those things. But when's the last time you just tried worship? See, David went through a lot of stressful things. You don't know what I'm going through. Look what David went through. 
David went through some discouraging things, some tough things, but he never lost his worship because he never lost his all for God. See, we're going to live this life in all of something, and if we live our life in all of our circumstances, then we're going to be whiners. If we live our life in all of God, then we're going to be worshipers. It's just going to happen. Psalms 141 verse 2 says, Let my prayer be set before you as incense, the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. So lifting our hands is the same thing as the evening sacrifice. And that was a very big deal in the Old Testament. He's saying, Lord, when you see my hands lifted up, let it be the same thing as the the evening sacrifice and what it means to you. See, some people often wonder, what's the big deal with all the hand raising in church? Why are people always raising their hands? It is a big deal. The big deal is it's a big deal. (laughs) It, it, It is the same thing as the evening sacrifice. It's a form of praise and worship to the one that we adore. And it's not just an Old Testament thing. In 1 Peter 2 verse 5, it says, You also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We are to offer up spiritual sacrifices. When we enter into worship, we're offering up sacrifices that are just as real to God as the sacrifices of bulls and rams and oxen and goats or anything else in the Old Covenant. See, as the church, we need to realize how important and how powerful worship is and stop continuously failing in worship, failing in our worship, because of the fear of man. Don't worry about what it looks like. Just worship. And that's one of the things that we, I feel like sometimes in church that we miss, you know, we're really good at certain things and realizing the importance of certain things. And then other things, we just have a different mindset than what we should because worship is huge. It's a huge component to the presence of God. And when you worship, don't worry about looking stupid or foolish. I know that's the S word. I'm sorry. Um, sometimes those moments of looking foolish show how much of ourselves or our comfort level that we're willing to sacrifice to please the king. I mean, that it, it's just as simple as that. In the Bible, there's so many stories of people who weren't afraid to look foolish, like Noah. He looked foolish building one of the largest wooden structures of his time while claiming it was going to float in a worldwide flood that was on its way when it hadn't even rained yet. Abraham looked foolish when he stood over his son Isaac, who was the son of promise with a knife of sacrifice in his hand. Moses looked foolish sitting on a hilltop flanked by two guys holding up his arms while thousands of people fought to the death below him. Hannah looked foolish in Eli's eyes when she prayed fervently in the house of God for a child. And David looked foolish standing in front of Goliath armed with only a leather sling and five smooth stones. Mary looked foolish when she became pregnant as a virgin, and Joseph looked just as foolish, if not more so, when he agreed to marry her anyway. Meanwhile, nosy neighbors in Judea probably counted the months backwards from the birth of Jesus and came to their own conclusions. Jesus looked foolish as a local carpenter's son when he stood in the synagogue and read the familiar passage from the scroll of Isaiah that said, Today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. His archenemy, Satan, thought Jesus looked even more foolish the day that he was stretched out on a Roman cross between two crucified thieves after claiming to be the Son of God. But he wasn't foolish. He was doing the will of his Father. So, like them, when's the last time we've looked foolish for God? Has it been lately? Have we dared to worship him the way that he commands in his word? 
Because just like with these people, there may be much more at stake than you ever dreamed. Sometimes being foolish for the king, we're not going to see the results immediately, but it's like Aaron's hundred-year vision. And like Algernon, a thousand converted. You don't realize what looks foolish to man can just do amazing things in the kingdom of God. Now, every year we have a big office Christmas party at my work. (laughs) And every year they have a live band and a DJ or both. And I mean, it's really fun. A lot of people get out there and start dancing. And if you want to see people look foolish, you have dancing at a Christmas party. And I like dancing. Um, I'm not that great at it. It's like, you know, those people who feel like they have more rhythm than what they actually do. That's me. But I do like to have a good time out on the floor. And every year, I begged Aaron. I begged him, like, before every party, like, almost, like, leading up to it, I would beg him to get out there and just dance one song with me. I didn't care what it was. I don't care if it was a Christmas hymn, a slow song, just something, you know, because I was tired of being in that group of women who's always on the dance floor, you know, like dancing with each other so nobody else will dance with them. I was tired of that. And every year I left disappointed because he wouldn't do it. And I don't know why he didn't do it because I made him suffer after every party and he'd call his dad and like, well, Heather's mad at me again every year until 2017. Everything changed, but he told me before he went in that he would dance a slow song with me if it came on, and I think that he said that because he's been to enough that he knew that that was a rare thing for a slow song to be played, but I didn't care. I was waiting, so we were sitting at the table. I mean, a slow song never came on. I mean, I was waiting to the point where, like, we had been there long enough. I got our, we got our stuff. We were walking out, and a slow song came on when we were walking out. And I turned around and I looked at Aaron because I just anticipated him to say, no, we've already gotten our stuff, blah, blah, blah. And he put it down. He put the stuff down. You know, it's all, <laughs> it was just a moment. He put the stuff down and he took my hand and took me out on the dance floor. And I mean, when I say we were dancing, I'm, I'm talking like, 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 I mean, just, just a little, you know. But that's okay. I I honestly, like, he could have been the best dancer out there in that moment. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So. I was wondering when you were going to start talking. I really was. So you remember a few weeks ago when I was telling you what I sounded like in my head, my voice, when Heather asked me when we we were. Sammy. Yeah, I told her I sounded like Sam Elliott in my head. And so she. So in my mind, I'm dancing like Derek Huff from uh, Dancing (laughs) with the Stars. Well, (laughs) probably more like Pee Wee Herman or something. (laughs) You wish? No, I'm kidding. Uh, No, I don't. I don't believe I dance like that. It was pretty obvious that uh, I was almost in over my head with the slow song. But that was okay because. In that moment, I didn't care how good of a dancer Aaron was. I felt so many emotions because I was just so happy that he had put himself out of his comfort zone to do something because he loved me, because he knew that that's what I wanted. I mean, all of you guys have probably experienced a moment like that where it's just like, I don't care how badly you do it. I'm just glad that you're doing it, you know? I mean, it's just, it was one of those moments. It gave me so much joy. And the Christmas party is in two weeks, so he better dance with me again. 
But when is the last time that we gave the Father that same joy? No matter what we feel and no matter how uncomfortable the moment makes us, even if it's just, you know, like that, in a moment of worship. I mean, not, not do that. If y'all do that on Sunday, I might laugh. But, um, but the point is making yourself uncomfortable to bring joy to the one that you love. When's the last time that that's happened? Just to put a smile on his face and that joy in his heart. Because I promise you, no matter how uncomfortable you feel, it will be worth it. It is worth it. Everybody give him a hand. He did it. I'm not making a promise for this year. So also, as the church, we need to understand just how powerful worship is. In Exodus chapter 17, there's a story of the children of Israel defeating the Amalekites, and Heather already spoke a little bit about Moses. So when Moses was on top of the hill and he, with his hands raised, which is a sign of worship. And so every Israelite in the battle that day, you have to remember, they were raised as a slave. They were raised in captivity. And they had never been allowed to to own or use a weapon. And so they were not soldiers. They had not been trained to be soldiers, but they defeated the army of experienced trained warriors because God was fighting for them while Moses had his arms raised in worship. See, when we raise our hands, like I said, it's a big deal because it's a big deal. But when we raise our hands and when we worship, God still fights battles for his children today. I wonder how many of us have had battles that would have been over a long time ago if we would have just taken the time to sit down and worship. And we sing the song about, uh, or they sing the song about, uh, No Longer Slaves. And it's a great song, but we need to take this to heart that it's time for the church to stop, uh, start training worship and warriors and stop just taking care of the slaves. We need to stop just telling people that they're sinners saved by grace and, and that they better just hope to, to hold on and barely make it into heaven. We need to start giving them a sword. We need to start showing them how to fight their battles. We need to show them that we fight battles through worship and declaring the word over our lives. And imagine, imagine what that was like for Moses because he was actually a trained warrior. I mean, being raised in the palace of Pharaoh, he, he knew what he was doing. Imagine what that was like for him, for God to tell him to sit up on the hill away from the battle and take another two people to raise his arms. He probably felt like, I mean, I could do so much more down there with them. You know, I can rally the troops down there. Why are you sending me up here? But he had no idea in that moment what was really going to happen because when he raised those hands in worship, that's when the battle, the tide turned. Sometimes what God calls us to do doesn't make sense. But like we mentioned, that could be the turning point for not only you, but the people around you. Just think about that. I mean, if we are spiritual beings in a physical world, there's so much going on that we are just aren't even really aware of, but we should be. Because we're sons and daughters of the Father, and that's when things are going to change, when we realize who we are. And we do a lot of music from Bethel Music. Um, their songs are incredible. And um, the person who used to run their music label several years back, his two, he has two children. They were small children. And one of the children actually um, contracted a really severe and abnormal strain of the E. coli virus that actually started attacking his organs. I mean, his kidney started failing. It was, it was a horrible thing. And they basically just were preparing the family for him to die because it was, 
he was just severely declining. Um, and he kept declining and almost died. So they called together the global community. I mean, we all like saw it on Instagram, on Facebook. I mean, we were praying for him, you know, a kid that we never saw, but he's family. So we were praying for him. And miraculously, he took a turn for the better. And two moments where they documented where they actually were able to see him getting better were moments of worship. Two people from the praise team had actually come into the hospital room and were leading the room in worship. We saw videos of the the parents with their arms raised to worship and surrender. And in those moments of worship, they were actually able to take out some of the machines that the child was hooked to before and after worship. They had to be, he had to be hooked back on. But during the worship set in that room, they were able to remove them from the room because he didn't need them during worship. That was documented, that those things were shifting in the physical because of them worshiping the Father. Now, we know that prayer and intercession are amazing things. They have profound influence with God and the spiritual realm. They are incredibly important. But our point is that we've missed the importance of worship. It's, it's oftentimes what so many of us think of worship as is just a little bit of a segment on a Sunday morning. We don't revisit worshiping until we come back on Sunday morning. But that's not just what worship is about. If, love, if worship is love responding to love, there's so many other ways of worship than just singing music on Sunday morning. Worship is an act of surrender. But I, I think that that's some of the importance of the lifting up of our hands because that feels like an act of surrender because when Moses had his arms raised, he was doing something that did not make sense in that moment. But it made all the difference in what they were facing. And we have to realize we have that same power today. Yeah, so the little boy did get better. Oh, yes. He got, yeah, he was, uh, ended up uh, miraculously healed. And because of what he went through, it, the sibling contracted the same thing. But they were ready and caught it so early that they were fine as well. So, um, But, yeah, all of it came from, from worship. Think about this. We, we all... We all want to live a victorious life. We all want to make a difference for the kingdom. We all, all want to make a difference uh, in people's lives. What if we begin to bind the enemy through not only our prayer? We need to keep doing that. But what about also through our praise and our worship? What if through our worship we were able to uh, break his influence on people and they came to a place where they were able to be reached with the gospel and have encounters with Holy Spirit and lives were changed. See, there is power in our worship. There's power in your worship. He, he expects your worship. Not just mine, not just the praise teams. He expects it from all of us. He, he deserves it from all of us. And there's power in your worship in the way that you will respond to the Father. And see, God is so amazing that he uses the small things. He uses the foolish things like our worship to defeat the enemy over and over and over again. Satan is no match for God. A lot of people, you know, hype him up really good. I don't know why, but a lot, even people in the church like to hype him up all the time. He's already been defeated. He's nothing compared to God. He's not even close. He never had a chance. It was, you know, there was no fight. It was done. But just think about how humiliating it is to him when God uses little old you and little old me to, to just defeat him over and over and over again. See, so we are all praying for a move of God. We're all praying for power from God. What if it's already here? What if the power is in our worship? 
What if we could have been walking in it all along? What if our, what if our arms raised in worship would make the difference in the battle? What if it really does is the difference in winning or losing that battle that you're going through? Would you do it then? Would it not be so silly then if you knew for certain that things would change as soon as your arms were raised? So what if our worship is the key to the breakthrough that we've been praying for, maybe begging God for? What if he's just waiting for you to worship and get out of your comfort zone? Uh, years ago, I, I may have already told you this story, but I can't remember what I've said where now that I've been to two or three places. It was easy when it was just impact back in the day because I knew if I'd said something there or not. Now I don't remember. But so you'll probably hear it again anyway. So act like it's the first time if it's not. But I was doing exterminating and I went to this uh, guy's house and he had these two pit bulls. And one of them was in this six foot pen that had wire added around the top. And it was just like a pogo stick. He was just jumping up and down going crazy. And uh, he looked like he was about a year, year and a half old. Then he had this older pit bull, probably four or five years old. And it was in the backyard, and uh, all it had around it uh, was, a, was a hot wire. And it was about eight inches off the ground. And so I'm talking with the guy, and I'm asking him about his dogs. He's telling me about his dogs. And I, I said, well, you know, I need to spray around the back of the house. What are you going to do with that, the pit bull you got in the back? He said, oh, you'll be fine. Just go on back there. So uh, I said, are you sure? I said, what, is that dog friendly? He said, no, that dog's not friendly. I said, well, what are you going to do with the dog? He said, oh, it won't get out of that fence. I'm like, what fence are you talking about? He said, it won't cross that wire. I said, okay, are you sure? He promised me. So I went back there, and I'm spraying, and the dog never even came near me. It was like that little wire eight inches off the ground might as well have been a brick wall. The dog couldn't, couldn't see me or something. It just stayed over there. And so I'm coming back around, and he's going to have to, he can move the wire to a different place. Oh, and the wire wasn't on. It wasn't even on. So he can move the wire to, to get the dog in different places of the yard. And I went over there, and I said, your dog acted like I wasn't even there. You sure, he's, you sure it's mean? He said, oh, yeah. I said, well, it seems like a nice dog. What would happen if I stepped over that wire? He said, that dog would eat you up if you step over that wire. Don't go over that wire. And I said, but... I don't get it, though. Why didn't the dog just, if he's mean, why didn't he come over to the wire and get me? He said, he, wouldn't, he never crosses that wire. That dog never gets out of the yard, and I never do anything but keep that wire there, and it's not on. I said, I don't get it. He said, well, he doesn't get out because he doesn't know he can. And uh, he said, now that dumb dog over there, and he pointed to the one that's the other, boing, boing. He said, I can't keep him in the fence. He said, that's why I had to put him over there when you're coming. He said, and if he gets out, he's friendly. And so he's gone. It takes me forever to catch him. I'm worried he's going to get hit by a car. He's all over the place. He said, but the one over here, I never have a problem out of. And see, sometimes that's what's happened to many of us in the church. It's not something about being good or bad or saved or not saved when it comes to things like this. But we have someone new that comes in the church. And they're like that, they're, man, they're bouncing off the walls. You're trying to calm them down because you're just, and I'm not talking against discipleship and I'm not talking against trying to just give someone some wisdom because that, that's needed. But sometimes when someone comes in and they're, they're all fired up, we're, we, then, then you have the people who've been hiding behind that eight inch fence 
for like 20 years and they start saying, you just need to calm down. Don't get carried away. You can't do that. That's not, that's not the way we do things around here. And then they start getting upset because they start saying, I've been faithful all these years. And how is that guy having people uh, healed? You know, he's still got this problem going on in his life. He's still got this bad habit or that bad habit. I don't understand why God keeps blessing that, that person. And all along, you're just stuck behind this little eight-inch fence. And the only reason you're behind it, if you're uncomfortable about worship, if you're uncomfortable about the, uh, the gifts of the Spirit or the moving of the Spirit or the way God decides to do things, it's because you've got yourself behind an eight-inch fence that the enemy's put up, and you just don't realize how easy it is to step over it. It's the only, there, there's nothing holding you, there's nothing that can hold you back from the goodness of God except for you believing the wrong thing. And when you see, once you break through that barrier, I've broken through a couple. I've got a lot more that I'm going to have to go through. We all do. But it's so funny when you break through it and you realize something that used to really hold you back, that you really caused you to have fear and anxiety, how small it was all along. Could you imagine having the power that that dog had, that it probably could have jumped out of that six-foot pen that the little dog was in, no problem. And it was just there and completely different attitude and everything, all because of one little wire eight inches off the ground. But so many of us have let something even smaller than that hold us back for years from what God has had right there for us if we would just step out and get it. And when we were thinking about this, I mean, because we're wrapping up, but um, the reason that I believe that God is enthroned in our praise, that he says that he inhabits our praise, is simply because he wants to dwell with us and he wants relationship with us. It's, I think it's as simple as that. I mean, he's so good. He's so glorious, but he calls himself our father. And a good father just wants to be close to his kids. And I think that that's one of the reasons why um, Aaron's worship changed. Um, I mean, because I distinctly, I've seen it. Um, like when he, when he started closing his eyes, I'm like, ooh, that's good. And then when he started going like this, I knew he was feeling it. And then when he got to the point where he would do this, it was like me up here hollering because that's his worship. That's his act of sacrifice. That's his act of praise. And I believe he started doing that because he started realizing who he is to his father. His relationship with his father has started to change. He just wants to be close to him. And I believe that's why one of the, because acts of worship could be done in any way, but God specifically says things about the lifting of hands. And I believe when I think about my father, I think he just wants to be like that little kid. You know? I mean, I, God oftentimes like shows me things through children and probably you're the same, but like I see Mackenzie and I see James and when their parents come around, they just go like this, right? That's a sign of a good father. If we as his children never lift our hands to him, if we as his children don't feel comfortable enough to express our affection to him in that way, it doesn't say things about us. It says things about him to the people around us, that he's not that good, that he's not that affectionate, that he's not that loving. But when you see a kid like this, like, man, that's a good dad. That's a good father. 
That kid knows that they're not going to be rejected. They're only going to find affection in their father's arms. So that's what we're saying this morning is there's so much power in our worship. So many things will change once we realize who the father is to us and who he still wants to be. Even if it's just that back and forth, even if you're just comfortable going like this to begin with or like this, you're going to, when you experience his goodness, you're going to be able to tell a difference. Yeah, so um, one more thing. I, uh, and remember this, if you do, if you are nervous when it comes to worship or, you know, the enemy is feeding you a lot of garbage and, and, and causing that fear and this and that, because we all face that. Every person faces that when it comes to worshiping the Lord. You're not alone in that. But uh, when you think about, um, maybe think about the craziest worshiping person you've ever seen. Like, I mean, they were wild. And uh, maybe, or no, forget wild. They were weird. <laughs> they were strange. And when you look at them, because I've looked at people, and, and even though they made me laugh, I was a little jealous. And that's what happens a lot of time. What the, the, the enemy leaves that part out. When you see someone and you're thinking, oh, man, they may laugh at me or they may think this of me. They may think I look weird. Yeah, but at the same time, they're going to be envious of you. Because if you think of some of the, the craziest looking uh, worship leaders and things like that, I mean, some, some, they do some strange stuff and they draw crowds. Because there's something about that when people see someone that doesn't care what anyone thinks and they're that lost in worship, it's, it, there's something about it. So it, it, when you do worship, even if someone were to say something to you or make a smart comment or try to make, you know, even if they don't mean anything by it, but they jab at you, whatever, there's a part of them that wishes that they could be as free as you are because everybody's after freedom. And there's nothing that's more freeing than getting lost in the presence of God and, and worshiping, worshiping Him. And just to be clear, my worship might look different than yours. Like, not to judge your expression of worship. Because that's the beautiful thing about the Father is He knows what gift we're bringing before Him that is a sacrifice to us. It doesn't matter, again, no matter how wild, if it's a sacrifice to you, it could be more, you know, but the Father knows what that looks like. So that's what, what kind of we're just saying about it being a sacrifice to the King. Lord Jesus, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for your presence. We thank you that you inhabit our praise and your presence changes everything. Lord, I ask you to please bless your people this week. Let us become aware of your presence, more aware of what you're doing around us. Lord, let us become a people of worship, a people of praise, true followers, because you, we know that you're seeking us. Lord, we're found, we're here, we're true worshipers, Lord. Shift the atmospheres, Father, just because you're there, Lord. We thank you for all that you're doing, all that you're going to do, Lord, and we just love on you. In Jesus' name, amen. We are so happy that you joined us today. If you are interested in learning about or giving to this ministry, you can find more information at saponaroadchurch.com. If you are local to the Fayetteville, North Carolina area, our meeting times are 1045 a.m. Sunday mornings and 7 o'clock p.m. Wednesdays for our connect groups. From all of us here at Sapona Road Church, 
We hope that you have a great day as you walk in the Lord's favor and blessing.